Welcome to the Women's Football Podcast Euros Edition. My name is Chess Warren and we are now at the business end of the tournament. It has gone so quick this Euros. The group stages are done and we are into the knockout stages. Here to tell us who they think will provide knockout blows, we have founder of englandfootball.org. It's Dom Smith. Hi, Dom. Thank you for coming on today. You're very welcome. Pleased to be here. The group stages are now over, as we just said. Group B saw Germany brush aside Finland 3-0 to maintain their 100% record in the tournament. And in the other game in that group, Spain only needed to draw against Denmark to progress but left it late with Marta Cardona heading home in the last minute. Spain now take on England in Brighton on Wednesday evening. Jorge Vilda said that this will be their toughest game of the tournament, which is saying something after Germany absolutely dismantled them in the group stages. Anita Bonmati, on the other hand, says she isn't scared of England, but has said that Spain need to do better. Dom, do you think England's are the favourites for this? especially with the problems that Spain have been having so far in the tournament, especially when they're off the ball? Yeah, I'd say the favourites for the match against Spain. Um, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a ridiculous turn up for the books if Spain knocked England out, but I don't think they will. I think England do go into the game as favourites. And, and I'd actually go further and I'd say you have to make England favourites for the tournament now, really. Um, I think Germany, the only other side who, who, who seem to have shown anything like the rhythm that England have done, uh, but even then they haven't they haven't seemed to get better as games have, have gone on and shown such stamina and such impressive strength in depth from the bench, which England have shown. So yeah, I make England favourites for their quarterfinal against Spain and potentially for the tournament as well. Yeah, I think it's really interesting you mentioned rhythm there, especially with um with the England team. Uh Serena Wiegmann is known to kind of to keep picking the same the same side, starting the same team to kind of build that rhythm. It was looking in the third in the third game that England were playing in their group stages um, that some of the players were looking to get a bit tired. Lucy Bronze looked a bit tired during that fixture, um, and it's whether she's able to maintain that rhythm into the knockout stages with that team selection. On that note, something that we were going to talk about until about forty minutes ago uh, when we got the press announcement. I didn't know if Hannah Hampton would potentially get a shot at um, being a keeper for this fixture um, because obviously she does speak Spanish and she played um, she played in the England-Spain game in the Arnold Clark Cup earlier on this, um, this season. Do you think Serena is stuck with her um, starting? Has she found her starting, at, starting 11? Do you think she'd change at any point in the tournament to kind of mould to the teams that she's playing against or... Are, England set in in their ways at this moment in time Don what do you think I don't think she wants to change a winning formula and I think the only reason why she would do it would be if she felt that she might she'd actually got something wrong and that there was one player in a certain position who actually is pushing and maybe could offer a um, higher quality than the player who's been starting I don't think that counts. That that's the same in goal, and I don't think Hannah Hampton, who, who now we heard today, has got has got COVID, so we'll be out of the game. We'll be away from the camp for a few days. I don't think that would count for for Hannah Hampton, um, or indeed for Ellie Roback in goal, because I think in the last year and a half, Mary Earps has has established herself really both in the WSL with a good last season, but also with England um, as kind of not far and away the best, but but relatively clearly the best goalkeeper which England have. 
And I think, yes, okay, perhaps there is the Spanish connection for Hannah Hampton, but that's more of a quirk of football than a reason to start the player, um, especially now because she's got coronavirus. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I would fully expect to see the same lineup, um, and especially in goal. I'd be stunned if you saw a different goalkeeper. In this fixture, where do you think the problems are going to be caused um, for England? What weaknesses do they have that you think that Spain are going to exploit? Well, um, England have had the ball almost all of the time in this tournament so far. Um, <clears throat> I remember I, I remember going to Stadium MK and watching Spain's opener, and they conceded to Finland in the 49th second of the game because of a huge gap between the, the left-back and the left centre-back, um, which Finland just sort of played through. And that was actually a, a huge positional um, area of space, which they continued to exploit throughout the game, Finland. I mean, clearly not to um, not to their benefit because they didn't win the game. Uh, but it wasn't it wasn't like Spain corrected that that kind of spatial problem. It continued throughout the match. England have got to remember and realise that they're not going to have as much of the ball in this game as they've had in the tournament so far. So one thing they haven't been challenged on is is positioning when they're off the ball. If formationally they can be got at because they're not set up right, they're not standing in the right places, they're not filling in for each other when they when they leave positions, then that's what Spain what Spain will exploit. So it's about it's about England kind of remembering that the group stage had three opponents who were reasonably difficult to beat, but three opponents who England were expected to beat. Now we're coming into the part of the tournament where there is the chance that you're going to be potentially better than you or, or as good as you or very similar to, to your level. And Spain are certainly as good as England at keeping the ball. So England need to be set upright when they're not, when they're not on the ball so they don't kind of cause their own problems. Talk about games that are expected to be won. The other final has been decided by Group A and Group B is Germany versus Austria. Can you see anything other happening than probably a German win in this fixture? Well, ever since I watched Austria lose only 1-0 to England on that kind of snowy day in November last, <laughs> last year, I, I really did think they were a decent outfit and they've continued to prove to be so, that they caused England such problems in that opener against Old, uh, Old Trafford. Um, I don't think they'll get through because Germany are the second best team in this tournament by my reckoning after, after England. Um, but I could see Austria making it difficult for Germany. I wouldn't expect Germany to run riot in this game. Um, so I could see a 1-0 or a 2-0. But um, anything more than that, I think I think Germany would deserve real credit um, for putting uh, kind of that many goals, three, four, five past Austria, because I don't see that happening. Mm. But I think they'll get through. I just want them to I just want them to win. So we get another one of those celebration videos where they where they bust into the post-match presser. That looks like so much fun. Yeah, they've, they've not done their winning lightly, have they? They've not kept it to themselves, but good for them. Good for them. In Group C, unsurprisingly, it was Sweden and the Netherlands who progressed out of this group. The Swedes topped the group thanks to a 5-0 thrashing of Portugal. Their goal-scoring woes, clearly, um, they've got over them. Um, they were out of sight by half-time thanks to two goals from Manchester City's Philippa Angadal and an own goal by Carol Costa in the fifth minute of first-half stoppage time. 
Kosovar Aslani made it 4-0 from the penalty spot before Stina Blackstenius drilled one into the top corner to make it 5. The Netherlands also ran out comprehensive winners against Switzerland. It had been goalless first half, but an own goal, which you'll really want to forget, from Anna Maria Chernogoycevic, gave the Netherlands the early lead in the second half, but Geraldine Reutler equalised almost immediately. Rome Lurkta scored a double in the final 10 minutes and sandwiched in between a goal from Victoria Pulova. Dom, Sweden will be facing Belgium and you'd fancy them to get through as they seem to have started to warm up and are flexing their muscles in this tournament. Yeah, they are. And it, it was only a matter of time before that happened. Um, in terms of the, the other group, I think Italy have been a real disappointment. But actually, Belgium in... You know, what you'd expect from Belgium is that they're going to be a pretty exciting team going forward, especially with Tina De Kainy, who's far and away their best player. And she scored the goal that, that actually put them through. Um, so I would expect this to be a reasonably tight game. But of course, Spain, uh, Sweden have got more quality than Belgium and I'd expect them to, to make the semi-finals. maybe a 2-1 or a 3-1. Do you think that the firepower of Blackstenius and Aslani make a team like Sweden unstoppable or have they underperformed in this tournament so far? I think it makes them pretty hard to rival in terms of teams going forward with centre-forward power. But of course, we've seen football in the last 10 years move towards attacking wide forward scoring goals in the men's game and in the women's game. And England, England, for example, have such goal scoring quality out wide. I'm not so sure a team like Sweden can compete with that. So going forward, Sweden have got one of the best attacks in the tournament, but they seem to concede too many goals and I think that might catch up with them later in the in, in the rounds maybe not now I, I'd expect them to get through past Belgium but but later on I could see that being something that, where they come unstuck. The Netherlands on the other hand will take on France in Rotherham on Sunday. The French have lost Katoto for the rest of the tournament and the Dutch manager Mark Parsons has been quite bullish on their chances as well saying that France are a good team but so are we. Does it all hinge on Miedemar being fit? Do you actually think the Netherlands have a chance in this game? It seems a bit odd that we're questioning it, but they seem to have kind of lost their spark in this tournament. We will wonder what how they'll get through. What do you think? To be honest, I'd be surprised if either of these teams end up winning the tournament. <clears throat> I think you can attack both of them. I mean, Iceland, for goodness sake, showed that against France yesterday. Mm. Um, I think you can attack both of them. Um, and I think they're... Their front lines have been kind of faltering at moments. In the, in Holland's case, that can, there's kind of excuses for that. Niedermar wasn't available the whole time um, and they've had changes as well. In terms of France, obviously they've lost Kototo, huge loss. I have, I've been really surprised they haven't started Sandy Baltimore in more games. I think she's an outstanding player um, who I was surprised wasn't on the, the starting lineup in the first or the second game. Um, Gera has been, has been a good striker for them um, and, and, and she's obviously chasing Beth Mead now to be the tournament's top scorer and, and she, she'll have that in her mind but I think France may be slightly better than the Netherlands but I could see this game going either way again tight I think I think, I think it's good that these, that these knockout games are, are probably going to be tight there's not going to be a, another 4-5 or 8-0 um, which is good Yeah I mean I'd be really surprised if we are going to see a high scoring high scoring fixture in this 
in these uh, quarterfinal stages. But then we were very surprised that it was 8-0 England-Norway when it actually happened. So you never you never know. That's the, the cliche of football. There's just 22 players on that pitch and that's, and that's all yeah. that matters. But in Group D, Italy and Belgium met in Manchester with the winner looking likely to go through. But with one eye over the Pennines to see what was happening first between France and Iceland. It was a KG first half in Manchester, but the second was a very different affair as Belgium took the lead just four minutes into the second half as Tina de Cagny um, fired in to put Belgium second in their group. Italy had plenty of chances with players hitting the bar and firing just wide of the goalkeeper, but the defence held firm to put the Belgians through to the quarterfinals for the first time in Euros history. France were already through and despite making six changes, they got off to a quick start, scoring the quickest goal of the Euros so far, just after 46 seconds with Lyon's Melvin Mallard, who stroked in from the edge of the box, following Clara Matteo's driving run forward. Mallard nearly left Iceland feeling sick once more, but VAR intervened. Grace Gioro thought she had scored her fourth of the tournament to melt Iceland in a boiling Rotherham, but again, VAR intervened. There was only six minutes added initially, but in the 11th minute of stoppage time, Iceland were awarded a penalty and Dagny Briansdottir hammered it home, but it wasn't enough. And Iceland create history, being the first team to go out of the group stages undefeated. Iceland can go out with their heads held high, can't they, Dom? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just admiring to melt Iceland in a boiling Rotherham. I, I didn't realise that the producer of this show was William Wordsworth. Very nice. Um, it's very, very rare in any tournament that a player, uh, sorry, that a team uh, draws all three group games and goes out undefeated. It happened in the Men's World Cup in 2010 where New Zealand uh, didn't lose a game but went home and it's happened again. It's, it, it really doesn't happen very often. Um, they've played really well. Uh, I think Iceland have been a real threat um, in, in every game. They've, they've looked like scoring. Um, in every game that they've played um, and they've been pretty tight at the back. So yeah, I've been very impressed with them, but of course their journey comes to an end. I think their support was really impressive as well. All the videos of the Icelandic claps happening, um, all of the fixtures um, and the way that their team kind of reacts with like interacts with their fan base. I've also found that being really impressive, um, but Belgium have done the job they've gone through. Uh, but Jonas Eideval, the Arsenal manager said that it was a dream draw for Sweden playing Belgium in the quarterfinals. Do you think it's a free pass or do you think the Belgians have something up their sleeves? I don't think it's a free pass, but I think it's the kind of quarterfinal tie which realistically you would take. I think Belgium are a team that, that could be got at. They do have attacking quality, but I think Sweden have got more. They've got more firepower, so I'd expect them to get through, but certainly not a free pass. That's all. Many thanks to Dom and don't forget to subscribe to the Women's Football Podcast across all podcasting platforms. Follow us on social media at TWFP1 and the Women's Football Podcast on Instagram. If you want to know where to watch the knockout stages, go to www.welovesport.co forward slash women's dash euros. See you all very soon.